Item one, hit the grocery store. Item two, laundry. Item three, overthrow capitalism. You know, for somebody who taught Latin, your inability to pronounce French, like, hurts. Oh, look at you getting to the end of my stuff. Motherfucker. But seriously, I do think that this bucolic, luxurious, live your weird fucking dreams kind of life is something worth noting. <sighs> because of course he had. I got into an argument essentially uh, with with some folks as to whether or not um, punching Nazis is something you should do. And they're like, no, then you're just as bad as the Nazis. I was like, the Nazis committed genocide. I'm talking about breaking noses. Drink scotch and eat strychnine. All right, you, you can't leave that lying there. Luxury poultry. Yes, yes. Fancy it's, chickens. Yes, fancy chickens. Pet, pet fancy chickens. Pet fancy chickens. nerdery to the real world my name is ed blaylock i'm a world history and english teacher uh, currently on contractual unemployment here in northern california and um today i had the wonderful fun of um leveling out and then covering in sand a uh 20 foot uh diameter area in the side of my yard um not as many of you may be thinking right now to prepare for sumo lessons. Uh, but uh, in order to set up uh, this year's iteration of our above ground pool um, and tomorrow I am going to be very, very, very sore. Um, so that's, that's my big piece of news. Um, how about you, sir? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a U.S. history teacher up here in uh, Northern California. And I am going to actually pull a Vince Russo and pull the curtain back a little without telling anyone. Um, as, as folks may well know, uh, we record these things uh, ahead of time, and sometimes we try to record multiple in an evening. Um, at this point, yesterday was my last day of work, but by the time this airs, it will have been my first week at work because of how far ahead I think we are. Um, which means that this this podcast has outlasted the Confederacy uh, by more than two months now, and I am proud of all those things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's I like it. Yeah, but I, like it. I also note that we have uh, another guest, and I dare say at this point, I mean, this is the seventh time we've had him on. Out of yeah. 200 and something. Uh, essentially one quarter of our episodes or no, one fortieth um, of our episodes. I can't do math, but he's yeah, been okay. on for a larger fraction than anyone else. Yeah. Um, please, everybody, welcome back to the show. Chasing his PhD for the 
seventh time on our show. <laughs> um, and he's one year in. Uh, he's a professor of all kinds of things. He he lifts barbell plates. He eats uh, chomper steaks. I don't remember the exact promo for uh, Superstar Billy Graham. So instead, I'm going to kick it over to Mr. Andrew Sutherland. Welcome back. Oh, yeah. I can't do that for too long. No, I'll do it again should. at the end of the episode. Yep. Yep. No. Hi. Hey, welcome, uh, welcome. Hey, I'm happy to be at back and I hope to be back in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all honesty, hopefully not talking about Hulk Hogan. Um, for me, uh, granted, I've loved talking about it. I mostly enjoyed talking about the media side of things. But um, hi, my name is Andrew Sutherland. I am finishing just finishing up my first year of my PhD program. And by the time this episode airs, I would have been probably a month into my second year of my PhD program. But the thing that I want to talk about at this point in time would be something else that I expect would have happened uh, by the time that this episode aired. And I'm just pulling it up right now. And I'm hoping at this point in time that I would have oh. proposed to my girlfriend uh, at this well, point. Well, now I've created a deadline with, for at yourself. This point in time with... Well, I, <laughs> we've been in a long distance relationship for a little around a year. And um, I think it's time that I pop her the question. So I'm. I've alluded to her that I will, mm-hmm. and I'm just hoping she says yes. Well, congratulations. Uh, hopefully are in order. So yes, uh, future yes. you too. Uh, enjoy. Yes. Uh, and good on yes. you. All Thank right. you. So, I guess you liked it. So you put a ring on it. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Well, she from the incredibly that. romantic and sweet to the horribly tragic and, uh, <laughs> And and God, I don't know the other adjectives. Fucked um, up. Yeah, uh, Hulk Hogan comes back to the WWE uh, in just in time to hype the network, the the WWE network. See, it was a streaming service, a network of its own that was only like ten bucks a month. It was really worth the money for for wrestling fans. He comes back just ahead of WrestleMania thirty, um, to hype it up because there's so much stuff. On the WWE Network, it's it's phenomenal. I really, genuinely, truly enjoyed it. Um, and uh, that is... Um, yeah, that's just ahead of WrestleMania 30. And uh, hilariously, he called the Superdome the Silverdome. Uh, because Silverdome was so, WrestleMania 3. <laughs> so, Creeping Dementia, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> like, after all the hits to the head and the drugs back in the eighties, or just not like, giving I mean, a shit, yeah. <laughs> like that too. I mean, yeah. and also just only... having a promo in your head for so long. Yeah, okay. He's been all to right. every building, but True. they yeah. made a lot of hay out of it. It was pretty funny, and everybody teased him about it. Then on, um, so he did that. Uh, now, now. I got to rewind a little bit again um, during the run in TNA uh, that started in 2009 and ended in 2013. Hulk Hogan was going through a really, really dark time in his life. Uh, his wife's and his divorce was anything but amicable. Um, his son had nearly killed a friend of theirs and his conversation with his son, trying to comfort his son by criticizing that friend got leaked to the public. 
Uh, I mean, he doesn't quite call it a karmic debt, but he does say essentially that that guy had a lot of negativity around him as kind of a way of explaining to his son who is in jail for wounding this man, this veteran. He explains like, you know, he just had a lot of negativity around him. And like, I will sympathize. I will not in any way justify what he's doing there. You know, it, it, I, I get it. Your son yeah. is spoiled as shit and in a really dark place and having to live with the consequences of his actions for the first time. And they're really fucking dire. And at the same time, at the same time, um, y- you know, there's just, I don't know. There's some, well, to perpetuate, to perpetuate the entitlement that your, that your son, that got your son into that position. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of as, as a parent, that's, that's kind of the the critique I would make of that is like, okay, no, look, um, part of the reason your son is in that situation is because he's never faced consequences before. Now he's facing really heavy ones and you're deflecting Mm -hmm. onto the guy who's not there, who's, who's been critically injured and is not there to defend himself. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, that sucks and it seems to be pretty much kind of fucking in character yeah it is on brand like yeah you know the the really sad part of it is like yeah okay i can i can see i can see hogan doing that like yeah does not shock me yeah there's also a video of him putting suntan oil on his daughter's butt cheek that gets aired and again like they're a tanning family they're a body family um, I honestly like there's a different line for different folks. And like when he when he gets interviewed by, about it, um, he honestly he was like, I don't know what the problem was, honestly. And I could kind of see that like, you know, he's, he's not too. shoving his finger up her ass or anything like that. Like he's he's literally just putting oil, suntan oil on the part that would go under the bikini just in case yeah. the bikini rides up a little. Yeah. Like, He's not saying he would date his daughter or anything like that. No. I mean, who would do that? No. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That would be gross. It, that would be a gross. career ender in politics. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It no would be. decent society would put forth. Would elect anybody. Yeah. And, and in fairness, a majority never did. Uh, yeah, so... yeah. Okay. True. Twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and really in that case, it's like, hey, it's like a- asking a family member, like, hey, can you just put sunscreen on me, literally? Or like, yeah, can you just do this one thing? It's weird, but... Or it's family. not weird because your family does this for each other all the time. Exactly. You Even know? better yeah. ways. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that he does that are actually fairly explicable, um, but they come under a ton of scrutiny at this time. Um, and it all added together to show that the kayfabe was a much preferred version of this man at the end of it all. Um, yeah. And I well, think you, know, you talk about, you talk about karmic debts. This is yeah. kind of, this is kind of the, uh, find out portion of the evening's entertainment. Yeah. And you know, no. back, back to what you had said previously, um, I think that ultimately if he'd figured out a way to retire, and grow cabbages after his Mr. America run, his life would have actually been easier for him after that. But yeah, you talked about his inability to let go. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, that's I, my retirement. And yeah, you, you and yeah. Domitian. Um, exactly. So during this tremendously dark time, uh, Hulk Hogan was friends with a Tampa based radio shock jock named Bubba the Love Sponge. Oh, God, really? Yeah, his real name was Todd Allen Clem. I'm not sure which is better. Um, but I'm going to use his gimmick Uh-oh. name. Uh, Bubba the Love Sponge had a history of pushing limits and of having a very diversified portfolio. Um, for instance, he had a, a stake in a limo company, um, a premium phone service company, an adult video company, and a few different Tampa-based clubs and so on. Um, and he would do shit on the air like pretend to slaughter a pig and feed it to homeless people. Because, you know, take that, PETA, you know, that kind of stuff. He's he's gaining syndication uh, at this time, uh, not because it, it, it because it wasn't just the Attitude Era and professional wrestling in the 1990s. Everyone is getting in on the sleaze train, right? And naturally, in 2000, he ran for sheriff of Pinellas County. Now, of course, Christmas. <laughs> That's what we all do. These I mean, people. You know, in 2000, I mean, Ovid wrote about this, you know, um, so in 2005, he'd gotten hired onto the Howard Stern satellite radio network, which also makes plenty of sense. Um, and this this hiring of Bubba the Love Sponge uh, in 2005 ended his hiatus that had started in 2004 when he got fired for airing airing sexual discussions among several shitty Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters and Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> that's the line apparently so <laughs> apparently that is now despite cruelty's, cruelty's okay but cartoon right. I mean, that's... sex like that's not right, right. It's... Jesus. now despite or perhaps because of this uh, he was fined so often that Bubba would ramp up the sleazy shit he got sued in October of 2006 by Hope Miller an adult, an adult film star because according to the lawsuit at his urging, she had been penetrated by an overlarge sex toy against her will by another adult actress on the show. He he managed to get the case dismissed with prejudice. Um, now, because of this publicity and because of his association with Howard Stern, he got a terrestrial radio job again um, in 2008. Now, in 2010, <clears throat> Hulk Hogan is in TNA. And because of Bubba the Love Sponge's friendship with Hulk Hogan, he then becomes a backstage announcer at TNA. Now, of course, he said uh, he he does this for a while. And then he says really awful shit about the Haiti earthquake in 2010. And so that gets Uh... him removed from TNA, but not before he claimed that Awesome Kong, a woman who is an amazing wrestler, who also weighs more than me and is hella strong. uh she blindsided uh and knocked the shit out of him um that's what he claimed um he he got sued by her uh she sues him for making a threatening phone call and evidently the two of them hashed it out on his radio show so you know ratings um so okay that's bubble love sponge that brings us up to 2012 which really means that it brings us back to 2006 because even time is kayfabe at this point Interestingly, in 2006, Hulk Hogan also met my grandmother. Tell us more. 
she was on a plane. She lived in Tampa or no, she lived in Bradenton, which is essentially where people from Dearborn, Michigan uh, flee because it's getting too Arab. Um, but uh, they go to Bradenton. Uh, Bradenton is where uh, do you remember the um, the 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 insurrection the the oh. maga shaman guy yeah yeah I that's, that's where he's from something. yeah oh cool that's where he's from bradenton ah uh, uh-huh um bradenton kid. is this uh it, this town used to be i'm not gonna say it used to be awesome um but there used to be no oil rigs off the coast and then a bunch of culture war uh, people got elected to the uh, the council, and they are just magaing the shit out of that place. Um, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, Hulk Hogan and my grandma were on the same tra- uh, uh, not train, the thing that goes in the air, airplane, and uh, train plane. I got a, yeah, I got a I got a picture of her uh, with him, and that's kind of cool. Um, so, in two thousand six, Hulk Hogan had finished. Did he rip his, his shirt off? No, no, but it was uh, kind of that you know those affliction shirts, you know the ones oh, that's got the oh, really oh. nice script there. Hogan had a Hulk Hogan styled in the affliction style type shirt that he's wearing, um, and of course with the bandana, of course. So yeah, so in 2006, Hulk Hogan has finished his his final wrestling run in WWE. He defeated the legend killer Randy Orton, who had, by the way, made his name by beating all of these older wrestlers who were fucking legendary, especially Mick Foley. Like, that put him on the map. Um, Now, again, in 2000... What? Did he ever beat his dad? No, but he got his dad involved in a feud with The Undertaker. And The Undertaker beat the shit out of Cowboy Bob Orton. Yeah. Um, It was good. I mean, Randy Orton's legend killer gimmick was really good for a good long while. Yeah. I remember that when I watched. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, Hulk Hogan puts an end to it, of course, because he's Hulk Hogan. Um, and honestly, Randy Orton had more interesting things he could do as well. So uh, he he doesn't get hurt by this, really. Um, now, Hogan's family begins unraveling internally around the same time that he meets my grandma. I think that's a coincidence, but some have said otherwise. Um, although it's not until 2007 until the proverbial shit hits the well-tanned fan. Um, but still, he and his wife, Linda, appeared to be having trouble as early as 2007 when Hulk Hogan's reality show was filming its fourth season. And then things just unravel super fast. And so, as best as I can figure, Hulk Hogan had an affair with a woman who was working with his daughter on her music career, his daughter named Brooke. Um, I don't see the value in naming this woman, as she's not particularly germane to the story. However... She was a consenting adult, and that affair was, according to this woman, due to her sympathies toward him during the difficult time of the marriage splitting. Ink wasn't on paper, but they were definitely splitting up, and this ramped things up in the Hogan-Linda split. Shortly after that time, it seems that Bubba the Love Sponge and his wife Heather, his wife Heather were the safe place for Hulk Hogan to go when he was feeling low. And I, speaking as a man who has been divorced... It is good to have a safe place to go where yes. people can tend to yes. you emotionally. Critically uh, important. Or, yeah, give you the space to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. He was staying at the time in a hotel instead of at home. And according to uh, Heather's testimony, Heather Clem, wife of, mm. of the Love Sponge, 
She and Hogan had sex multiple times in her house, in his house, presumably when his wife and kids weren't there, in a hotel room in Tennessee, and also at the radio station. However, Heather claimed not to know about the filming that Bubba had done at the time and was only told afterwards. Now, this doesn't jive with what is on the tapes, because yes, there are sex tapes of Hulk Hogan um, having sex with Heather Clem. Uh, also, Hulk Hogan, for his part, testified that he was depressed. He, quote, I gave up and gave in. I felt that those people loved me, end quote. And I think, honestly, that this might be one of the most honest things that Hulk Hogan has ever said. I genuinely think that that was all true, and that's how sad of a place he was in. Okay, so wait. Yeah. Some of the some of the some of the ways you said some things. Sure. They lead to me asking some questions. So Hogan had sex with Heather Clem. Bubba's wife, Heather yes. Clem. Yes. And Bubba was filming him having sex with his own wife. Yes. Yes. See, I am I am utterly innocent of the details of this particular suit because oh, i i oh, just at the okay. time at the time that all of this was going on i looked at it and it went hulk hogan sex tape yeah, yeah i okay whatever i know you know mm-hmm. so so wait um because because immediately i think oh my god he's sleeping with his friend's wife while you know like like how how you know, despondent let's, must let's he let be. the details unfold for that for you. Yeah. Okay. I, I think as, as, as you get pulled through this. Yeah. I think that'll be the most constructive way to go. About oh, okay. This to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause so, Oh dear. Oh yes. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's the... various ways that this could go. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. See, the thing is, there are three tapes. Um, And while some may have a shorter refractory period than others, the first tape seems to be about a 10-minute completed blowjob, but a total of 43 minutes of talking and such. (laughs) Poor Ed. Um, Maybe I was wrong, but we're going to fly this plane. Uh, during, During this tape, Bubba comes in and out of the room a couple of times, once to play some music for them, wants to stop them for a second and say that he's going to go do some work in the office. Um, so this is with his full knowledge and consent. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, adults going to do what adults going to do. Precisely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, after this session, Hulk Hogan hits the that's, shower. And some people like that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and Heather Clem yeah. is definitely very, very physically attractive. Um, and Bubba seems like mm-hmm. the kind of guy that would a want that and b be okay with showing that off in a very experiential way. Okay. Um, and yeah. they had an open relationship, and that's cool. That worked for them until it didn't, I guess. Um, so afterwards, Hulk Hogan hits the shower, and there's a discussion of all three of them going on a vacation together. To which Hogan replies, "Or else just hang out here for the week." Now, afterwards he cuddles with her and it's, it's kind of sad, sweet. Um, he's complaining about all the things that he's stressed out about and she's just listening. Um, you know, there is, I'm sure there is a, an industry of this kind of sex work where it's 
you let the the client also spend time bending your ear about what's going on and then there's the sexual release as well and i don't think that that's not that that's necessarily a, an unhealthy thing mm. i'll be honest yeah. i know somebody who does that okay there you go and yeah. and, and if, it's completely yeah. non-sexual is what she tells me and it's just mm -hmm. hey they just want somebody to talk to and um re release some stuff that is built up inside them in a non-sexual way. Okay. So there's no sex mm. actually involved. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying the combination of those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and whatever. It is it is what it is. Um, I think there is a sweetness to it. Um I think that when a person's at a low point in their life, that uh, our vocabulary, our our sensual vocabulary is stunted such that we can't just say, hey, I just need to be held. Well, especially yeah. men. Yeah. Well, toxic masculinity fucks everybody over. Right. So you know, yeah. patriarchy hurts all of us. Yeah. You know. You know. Also, fellatio is lovely. So there's oh, also that aspect too. of it. Like yeah. So, the two best forms of therapy: talking right. about your emotions and right. fellatio. There, there you go. go. Yeah. There you go. Um. Now the second tape is thirty minutes long. Um. And no, I'm not cutting that, Andrew. Uh. But the second tape is thirty minutes long, <laughs> and uh, it starts with Hulk Hogan being quite the gentleman to her. She dirty talks him, telling him what she'd like after that, and he responds with, "Quote, I'm so horny. I can't believe I'm here. I should be home." This one is much more sad than anything else, to be honest. Um, I read the transcripts of all of them. I watched most of them. Um, I wish I just read the transcripts. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that was that was going to be my next question. Was do yeah, because it's well, okay. So the, the the film quality is is not particularly great. It's largely black and white. Um, yeah. The lighting is the lighting. Uh, the thing is, though, that, you know, one thing that comes across really clearly, even on that, is old man ass that's been tanning for 30 years. So, uh... you know, <laughs> it was not an erotic experience for me. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So he did, again, did it remind you of pasta mania? Uh, no, there was no whole wheat selection for that. It was all, it was all gluten glutes, uh, for, for that. Um, but, uh, oh so again, uh, he, he's being quite, he's doing more than Batman ever would. Um, and then she returns the favor for a little while. And, uh, then they practice safe sex. Good for them. For about three minutes and then they stop having finished for the evening um again there's more talking he talks about how he just ate this is where it's really weird then he talks about what a pig he feels like because he just ate a full meal 10 minutes before they had sex and then he gets really weird talking about the body of his son's girlfriend who's 17 by the way and brags that his son has a second girlfriend in orlando but that she's after hulk hogan and wants to be his first after his divorce now, again, I have had good friends. Um, not to spill too many details about my private life, but I have had 
sexual contact with some of my good friends, trying things out on that kind of a whim. And then we've decided if we wanted to just go back to being friends or give something a shot, right? I've never had it be like this, where it was like, did you want to play back backgammon? Yeah, sure. Um, let's let's do that. And then, oh, AC Ducey. Uh, anyway, I really want to fuck my son's girlfriend in Orlando. Like, I've never done that, you know? Yeah. Um I'm glad you haven't. Yeah, me yeah, too. Me I mean, too. you know, yeah, I, I would say I would say it's a sign of character that you haven't. I I feel like you know what you said earlier and I, I when when we were talking about you know uh never having suffered consequences in in regard to hulk's mm -hmm. son there's also a certain extent to which hogan himself has never right like all of all of everything he's done he's he's managed to come out of it maybe not smelling like a rose but he's always managed to to you know still land uh, on his feet yeah to mm -hmm. slip away to slip away without without consequences and so mm -hmm. for somebody who's been in that position you you don't think about the impropriety or the i mean just basic rudeness yeah maybe. the piggishness of this yeah like yeah. you know that's not going to occur to you because nobody's ever looked at you and gone dude the fuck right you know right um yeah and i and i think yeah i i have i have a bad I have a very bad feeling about this too, Han <laughs> Solo. Yeah, that that you know anybody who who was actually his friend, yep, would have would have like twigged him to, yeah, there's something wrong with that man. Well, so I so I get the sense I get that. the sense I get the sense that these people are not his friends. <laughs> mm hmm. And yeah. what are you gonna say? I was going to say, like, it depends on how you define friend. There are some friends who are just friends, like yeah. acquaintances. And then there are friends who are like, who got your back? Yeah. Right. And then in certain cases, you got opportunists in many yeah. ways, yeah. too. Um, yeah. But also, like, in this sense, I would also say sometimes people say shocking things. And because of the situation that they're in it might just blow over your head. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now I like think you, but like, yeah. Oh, go on. Go on. Uh, like he, he's in a, like he, he's, he owned, he said he's in a dark place. Right. And so just allowing him to just vent out, let him talk. Yeah. You might just, if you've listened to him for so long, you just might go blank in the head and just yeah. act passively to these types of things. Yeah, and I also think, you know, you spoke to this uh, in the last episode about how he's playing to his audience. I think that there is something deeper going on here. Not a psychologist, not a therapist, but I think that, like, my sympathy actually kicks in for him at this point, as, as piggish as he is, as sad as he sounds. I think he's trying to play to his audience. He's fucking his best friend's wife. So he's trying to talk about other situations that are adjacent to that kind of an arrangement. He clearly feels out of place. Like if you hear him talking, he's rambling. Um, and he's in an emotional state where he's seeking validation. And it's also yeah. post-coital. And it's post-coital after it only lasted three minutes. 
And he's casting about telling tales about how desirable he is by younger women. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, he even brings in body stuff, right? I feel like a pig. And he like, he kind of puts his hand on his belly. Um, There's a lot of validation that he's needing. And I don't know if you remember your post-divorce life, but I certainly do Mm. remember accidentally love bombing people because I didn't realize I was seeking validation. Um, you know, and, and that, yeah, I'm not Hulk Hogan and I'm not fucking my best friend's wife, but I understand that need to be validated verbally after I'm not, I don't even mean to Mm -hmm. make this joke coming up short sexually in a time where like, you know, okay, this is the only thing that she wants me for kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. I could see him doing that, that mental math too. Now, yeah. the, th- the third tape is similar to the second tape in terms of behavior and duration. Um, afterward, she washes his penis for him, which I think is very kind. Um, good aftercare. Um, he almost immediately goes back to talking about his kids. Again, he's in a hurt place. I don't think this is a weird kink for him. I think that he's sad. And afterwards, he complains about his wife. Makes sense, given what's on his mind. Um, and given that he's not trying to court this woman, these are two friends fucking. So your conversations can be different along those lines. I don't recommend talking to somebody you're trying to court about your ex shortly after coitus. No, um, bad move. Yeah. Now bad then he goes and takes a shower. Uh, and when he gets out, he goes on and on and Bubba comes in and all three of them are talking, but it's mostly them listening to him. Now at this point, I think he's very sad and in a dark place and doesn't know when or how to shut up. I don't think he's going to the therapy that he needs to go to. Um, And I also think these two people are egging him on and enabling him. I've watched it. I've read it. And I've listened to this section so many times. And you remember how depressed I was after the V episodes. So here's what I'm hearing and seeing. He's spinning out and he's complaining, but there's a bit of a bragging edge to it as well. He's bragging by complaining, like, oh, my arm's so sore from polishing all my my trophies, right? He's using all the inside lingo, all the achievements that his daughter is risking. He's complaining about his daughter and how she's throwing away all that I've done for her, and here's the list of what I've done. And he's definitely complaining about his daughter. Quote, I'm, and he's pissed at his kids right now because they've kind of gotten no contact with him for a bit. He says, quote, I'm getting ready to cut some serious bait. Brooke, my daughter, Brooke, she jumps sides on me because I shelled out two, three million bucks for her for her music, and I've done everything. So he's mad, he's feeling betrayed, and then he escalates quite a bit. You were going to say, Andrew? No, but I, oh. I, I'm just trying to... It, no, it does feel like what you made the point about yeah. a bit ago, that he is... In that dark place, he just needs people to talk to, and he's he feels vulnerable. So what mm-hmm. he does when he feels vulnerable is to try to find ways to build himself up. And especially and, in their eyes. But what I find odd is he's building himself up by talking about his kids, mm-hmm. but also pointing out their successes is because of his. Right. But he's also trying to cut them down. Yeah. Because they're betraying yeah. him. You're my real friends. Like, I think he's genuinely playing to his audience. Like, I don't think he knows not to. 
at this point. I think for him, it is his normal. You know, it's like I, I heard the rumor once that Michael Dorn's voice is an octave lower because he played Worf. For the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to assume that that's true. So Michael Dorn just talks an octave lower now. I think Hulk Hogan always talks to his audience. I don't think he has genuine interactions without. Yeah. So. I could see that. Yeah. And you can yeah. hear Bubba. I don't oh, think he can turn it off. No, I don't think so I either. Don't, no. and, yeah. Yeah. And you can hear Bubba and Heather yes manning him the whole time. Heather's egging him on. He continues holding court about how he feels betrayed and also bragging about these types of folks that he's doing business with. And at this point, he says, quote, I'm not a double standard type of guy. I'm a racist to a point. Now, at, at that point, you can actually hear Bubba assenting. And then Hogan says, quote, you know, fucking. And then he says the N word. And then, quote, but then when it comes to nice people and 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 then at that point, you can hear Heather saying, well, we were all that way. We all are that way. So, you know, that that diffusion of everybody's a little bit racist. Um. So then Hogan says, quote, yeah, cool. When it comes to nice people, you got to you can't say the and he's searching. But I think he was starting to say you can't say the N word. But then he switched gears and he says, I don't give a fuck if she and then someone moves on the bed and the sheet gets the sheet noise gets in the way. And so I can't quite hear. And I think it's I don't give a fuck if she's having sex with an eight. It, that part gets lost. But then, quote, an eight foot tall basketball player. If we're going to fuck with, and he says the N-word again, let's get a rich one. And here's the thing. He has a history of like what you said with the Arsenio Hall thing. I think that's there. I also think, though, that he tested the waters and said some transgressive shit, and Heather and Bubba egged him on. So now I think he's seeking their approval by shitting on black people and using racist language. And I think both things are happening. And I don't know what the admixture is. He is definitely saying racist shit. He is definitely playing to an audience. I don't want to excuse him for it. Yep. But at the same time, he is like, you know what I mean? Like he, he clearly sees that as a, a way to get more intimacy with this audience. Yeah. He's, he's seeking approbation and he's, he's, yeah just like you said i mean yeah. yeah he he is he is at the same time mm-hmm. he has become he has become victim to his own kayfabe yeah mm-hmm. and prior to this yeah. he's he's specifically highlighted the race of the son of the radio producer as the son of quote this billion this black billionaire guy so he's definitely being a racist shitbird throughout but like i said it also absolutely sounds like someone who's trying to get the approval of people around him in the moment. And he's seen that their response to his complaining about race stuff is positive, And so he jumps down that path. There's nothing okay about that, obviously. And he straight up admits to being a racist to a point. And that point appears to be the point of money. Um, and there's plenty wrong with that. And also he sounds like a seventh grader hanging out with seventh grade jocks saying edgy shit that he saw them respond positively to. So he's doubling down on it. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Quick question. Yeah. So I I remember in a, a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. um, when he was cutting a uh, promo where he mm-hmm. called 
Yokozuna. A, I can't remember the wrestler's name. Yokozuna, uh, a derogatory t- term directed towards Japanese, uh, Japanese people. Yep. people. Yep. Has he ever done something else like that on air? No, not that I found. And I watched I watched every pay-per-view from 1983 all the way through 2002. Then the WWE Network sold to Paramount, and I didn't want to fuck with that. Or not Paramount. Uh, do you think he got... Do you think he's in some way got reprimanded for that on air and then never did that? No, or reprimanded for doing that and then I I don't think Vince McMahon would have noticed it in 1991 because it's 1991 and as Ed has famously pointed out in the Giant Metal Robots episodes, the 1990s we had a serious uh, phobia of Japanese everything and so heightened racist language against Japanese people. Yeah, in an industry where I mean technically we still do. Yeah, is is calling it's it's always called Pearl Harboring, um, like oh, yeah, um, <laughs> okay, you know, uh, and, and Vince McMahon the reason why is I'm bringing this up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because like if he was in an environment where he was restricted in doing that, which he should have been and consistently should be, mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, um he might have used this as an opportunity to release it all out and then Bubba and um what's her name? Heather. Heather. Heather took advantage of that. And like you said, like yeah. he says this one edgy thing and then like, oh, um my audience, my friends are supporting it. Right. I should continue to do that. It's it's literally like that middle schooler who says one joke and then they continue saying the joke over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, his complaint at this point is largely that his daughter's attraction. Well, he, it's compl- he's mostly complaining that by her attraction to this young man and by her brief relationship with him, that she may have soured the deal for her own album. And Heather is laughing her ass off in approval of, of his complaints. And Bubba is continuing to yes, man. And eventually Hogan leaves the scene and Bubba says to Heather that if they ever wanted to retire, they'd sell the tape of him saying terrible shit. Yeah. Then Bubba told his wife that he was going to watch the tape and more lurid discussions ensue. Um, Interestingly, amongst that uh, married conversation, it's clear that Heather knew she was being filmed. And yet her deposition in court stated otherwise. But when we get to 2012, we'll get to that trial. Now, as best I can figure, all three of these sex tapes happen at or before August 2007. He doesn't, and, and the reason for this is because he doesn't speak of his son's car accident. He's mad at his son. He doesn't speak of the cancellation of his own show or anything of the sort. And given how garrulous he is about all the other things, he definitely would have spoken to that because sympathy is positive and approving too. Then uh, let's fast forward to 2009. None of this has really come out. He is promoting his memoir on the Today Show with Katie Couric. And he says in this promotion that he was close to suicide shortly after this time in late 2007. And that only a phone call from Layla Ali, the daughter of Muhammad Ali, his co-host on a reboot of American Gladiators, he said that stopped him from literally pulling the trigger. Now, I tend to be inclined to believe people with such stories, but also, it's Hulk Hogan. And you remember his baseball yeah. stories. Yeah. And he 
what what he said was he'd gone home to an empty room. There were no pets, no kids, no wife, no furniture. And he was nursing a cocktail of Xanax and rum. This is all believable. Like that sounds like a depressing thing. And that that is a common thing that wrestlers have done. And he was dealing with a tremendous amount of back pain. Also very true. Um, for her part, Layla Ali said in 2017, quote, I haven't talked to him since that whole story broke. We didn't have a big relationship. But I'm saying if you're going to say it publicly, you should have maybe said something to me because I had no idea he was about to say anything. But it's not a big deal. What can I say? So was he having suicidal ideations? Possibly. Did she call? Yes. Does this sell a better memoir? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it Hulk Hogan and he can't mm-hmm. separate kayfabe from reality? Mm-hmm. So for the next five years, nothing happened. Okay, so that's 2012, uh, 2009. For the next five years, nothing happens because the sex tape didn't get released until October of 2012. Hogan goes to Memphis briefly, and then he's on his Australia tour, like I said last episode, and then he goes over to TNA for four years. It was a fine run. He had all the standard hallmarks of a Hogan run in a territory. Takes the top spot, challenge, changes the feel of the place, completely derails a bunch of it, makes a fair bit of money, and uh, then he benefits more than anyone else, and then he leaves. The storylines that he did were tired. They involved the older wrestlers. They didn't really elevate the younger talent in any sustainable way. And he spent so much more time doing backstage drama and promos than wrestling, wasting the talent that was there to wrestle. Now, in fairness, he's got massive back issues, so I get him doing that. But don't suck all the air out of the room to stop the wrestling. Um, Basically, he's trying to capture the lightning in a bottle like he did in WCW, but mostly he ends up depicting similar drama in the last days of WCW instead. Like, um, he feuds with Sting. He feuds with Flair. There's a small feud with uh, Mick Foley. Uh, He feuds with Kurt Angle. There's lots of storylines about who has control of the company and whatnot, including injunctions filed and shit. You know, stuff I like to see in my wrestling. (laughs) By 2012, his daughter was involved in the storylines, and Brooke was to be married uh, married in the ring to Bully Ray, uh, formerly Bubba Ray, uh, brother Bubba of Team 3D. Um, but then the wedding gets disrupted by a group that was feuding with Hulk Hogan and the double turns and the swerves that ensued really just pulled more and more interest away from an already melodramatic uh, storyline. And there's lots and lots of what Pat Patterson would have called Gaga. Um, by October of 2013, Hulk Hogan was done with TNA. Now, he returns to WWE in 2014. Largely to hype the newly arrived WWE Network. That's what I started this episode with. He hung around through 2015, making the occasional appearance, being a legend, etc., etc. No wrestling, as he'd had several spinal surgeries during his time at TNA. Now, when I say he's in a dark place, I mean it. Like, physically, he is broken. Emotionally, he's broken. Psychologically, he's broken. And all of these things just coalesce for him. So the sex tape wasn't the problem. And really, this whole series has been aimed at this. Gawker released the sex tape of about 90 seconds in October of 2012, which led to Hulk Hogan filing two lawsuits. The first one was in the Florida State Court, suing Bubba the Love Sponge and Heather Clem for secretly videotaping his having sex with her. The second was against Gawker and its related entities and individuals in the Florida Circuit Court. 
Bubba went on Howard Stern and insisted that Hogan knew he was being filmed. A few days later, he relented and actually transferred the copyright of the sex tape over to Hulk Hogan and gave him $5,000. Now, at this point, Hulk Hogan drops Bubba from the suit. A week later, Hogan's attorney states publicly that he and Heather had also settled things. This now means that only Gawker is being sued. Mm -hmm. Now, the case itself was really fascinating. First of all, the founder of Postamania was allowed to wear a bandana on the stand so long as it didn't advertise anything. So he wore a formal bandana. <laughs> like, it's just a black bandana right down to his eyebrows, covering the baldness. Um, during the trial, Terry Bollea was made to describe the Hulk Hogan character on the record, even quoting his entrance music at one point. And I got such a kick out of this because he's sitting there talking about Hulk Hogan as Terry Bollea and how he is different than himself. See, Hulk Hogan and Terry Bollea are not the same person. Let me explain to you why. And as a wrestling fan, I totally get it. But the courtroom attorneys clearly didn't get it because they kept struggling with this. The Florida jury in St. Petersburg has a hometown hero vibe because he is based out of Tampa. He always has been. And because they're in Florida in the 2010s, they also had a huge amount of disdain for media from elsewhere whom they viewed as predatory pricks. And truthfully, Gawker were pricks. Um, they were the trolls and the mean girls, uh, but but they trolled other mean girls. Um, yeah. And they, they turned that on the powerful. So I never really minded them being pricks because they were being pricks to the to the to the powerful. Yeah, and that's something I, I I had that mixed feeling when it came to Gawker mm -hmm. when I read it or yeah. used it. Yeah, um, it, it it it's kind of that um, hyper pop culture type of website in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, and they do have good articles, but it's more about like kind of kind of like they center themselves know. in good writing. They center themselves in good writing. Better than TMZ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. the best way to go about with it. And I think this is a good point to talk about, like, how news organizations go about with newsworthiness. Please. Um, yeah. So if you ever talk to a journalist, they will make a point about, like, how they make certain types of decisions. Uh, each newsroom has a different types of standard or approach and editorial discussions type of deal. But when journalists talk about what newsworthiness is, they rely generally on five different values. Timeliness, proximity, conflict and controversy, human interest, and relevance. Um, timeliness, it's immediate, something that people need to know. Proximity, this is local information and events that are newsworthy because they affect people. Uh, I'll go into relevance. Next, people are attracted to information that helps them make good decisions. Mm. And then the two that I would argue that kind of go hand in hand with the um, the whole sex tape situation is conflict and controversy and human interest. Conflict and controversy uh, focuses a lot on like violent strikes or when people argue about actions, events, ideas, or even um, attracts or things that we care about, like policies and stuff like that. 
conflict and controversy can also attract our attention by highlighting certain types of problems. In this situation, the problem is like blackmail mm -hmm. uh, in certain ways. And then the one that's definitely associated with this is human interest. Right. People are interested in other people. Everyone has something to celebrate or and something to complain about. But we're also interested in unusual stories. Yeah. Hulk Hogan's sex tape, that's an incredibly unusual story. So Gawker's editorial practice in determining newsworthiness was probably focusing on that idea of conflict and controversy or human interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's uh, I think I've got a quote little little further down about how essentially Hulk Hogan has marketed himself as the real American, the the you know square jawed hero, fucking his best friend's girlfriend. Exactly. So there's so, the you know that's the newsworthiness of it too. Yeah, and granted, it it is um, they released ninety seconds of it, and we're seeing action take place. This is right. in a way. A also a violation of his privacy and yep i'm trying to also figure out like and this is something i wanted to ask you early on but like mm -hmm. is in the case no matter what this should be a violation but is florida one-party consent state or two-party consent state when it comes to recording people you know i don't remember I because don't i know remember. Yeah, because I know that's a thing when it comes yeah. to that. Uh, going into pop culture stuff, like that was a big issue with um, Taylor Swift and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, where Kim Kardashian recorded, um, recorded Taylor Swift in their conversation while they were while Taylor was in. I want to say Taylor was in New York while Kim and Kanye were in California, and they both both those two states have different approaches. Oh wow! So no, Florida is a is both parties need to be informed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I just want to know that. But also, mm -hmm. in the same time, this is also a violation of uh, Terry Hulk Hogan's uh, personal privacy. And this is just in a lot of ways uh, releasing a sex tape. And yeah, and uh, it can it can be argued? No, it's not really revenge porn. No, but. No, but in the case of Bubba, I would say yes. Well, except that it wasn't revenge so much as exploitation and exploitation. Yeah, blackmail. which you know, a lot of sex tapes that get released are both parties knew that they were being filmed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing with this one is that how to put um. There's also the question of, does he have a reasonable right to privacy as a public individual engaging in behavior that is counter to that public persona? And, you know, I'm going to get into a, a lot of this, but it ends up being this question of privacy versus the public's right to know, which is where Gawker always seated itself. Yeah. Um, so I would I would normally lead myself into lean myself into privacy. Yeah, you said so this took place in 2014. 14 uh their sex took place in 2007 before august uh, no, of 2007. No, no, no. no i mean the release of the sex tape oh the release was uh 2014 yes no um i'm sorry no 2012 i'm trying to remember yeah if this was around the time when some hacker released a bunch of like celebrities nudes through the cloud. Oh, um, 
that would have happened later. That okay. happened yeah. later. No, this was um, Gawker released the sex tape in October of 2012, and that leads to these two lawsuits. But like, these are going to take a while. Um, okay. So, speaking of Gawker, Nick Denton was the founder of Gawker. He's a British journalist who wrote a ton about the internet. Um, he early on saw a ton of potential in online journalism, and he was at the bleeding edge of tech journalism. So eventually he starts reporting on the story behind the story, and he starts reporting on the powerful who would usually expect to get to release a statement without being questioned. And he took that mean girl energy and turned it on the powerful. So again, you know, don't like his methods? No. But do I like that he's doing it to rich people? Of course. Um, so... <laughs> Um, now he said of his philosophy at Gawker, he said, quote, everybody knows that knows that what usually appears certainly in establishment media bears very little resemblance to what's really going on. And he also said, quote, we publish stories ahead of maintaining access with people without access, favor or discretion, end quote. So, you know, very often, if you're a reporter, you have to kind of couch it in such a way that either you're undeniably uh, correct that this is worth knowing and they can't get mad at you for it, or in such a way that they don't get mad at you, which means you might be compromising the real story. And he's like, no, fuck it. Burn them. Burn them. Oh, no, they won't talk to us again. You know, we got the story out. That's that's yeah. his philosophy. I would love that now with a certain individual who happens to own a social media site. Yeah. Funny who you should odd... mention that because Wait, a lot of... was a segue. Yeah. Because I know where this goes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Gawker was, according to Denton, supposed to be the thumb in the eye of media mores. So much mainstream media is just reading press releases of companies without any critical thought whatsoever, largely because they're underfunded. You know, so mm -hmm. it's like, well, okay, we've got this thing and we don't want to be the ones not having the story. So, boom. And so much of it is also shielding the powerful from the things that they say because of the need and desire for access. And Gawker tried to position itself as we're the ones who go against all that. And according to the then editor-in-chief, A.J. Delario, Del Delario, who'd come over from Deadspin, he was a, 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 which was a sports blog that was a subsidiary of Gawker at the time. Um now, looking at the former writers, the reporters, the editors, and the managers, uh, and how they described Gawker, they saw Gawker as giving journalists the ability to write bad stories about shitty people. Um, <laughs> and that seemed, that seemed to be the reigning ethos there. The original attempt, uh, the original Hogan attempt to sue Gawker was to claim that it violated copyright in the federal court of Tampa. Since copyright had been transferred from Bubba to Hogan, and after the posting of that video, right? Now, this seemed not to work when the judge bounced it back, saying that it would act as an unconstitutional prior restraint under the First Amendment. Um, Hogan having sex and saying shitty things was newsworthy enough that prior restraint based on a tenuous copyright claim was not going to cut it. Um, now, that's the thing. Hogan's, like, everybody, every fucking time, everybody misses the real play here because kayfabe. Everybody thinks it's about the sex. It's about the shit that he said. That's why he's fighting so hard. Everybody thinks he's mm -hmm. fighting so hard because of the sex. Now, the judge in the state case, remember, because there were two different cases. So the federal case is like, no, nope, it's not a copyright violation. Sorry, that's prior restraint. And it's unreasonable. 
In the state case, though, the judge was Pamela Pamela Campbell, who will be a judge on the Sixth Circuit Court of Florida until 2027. She didn't get elected in November of 2020, though. Instead, her term was just simply renewed due to that election being canceled. And I think that's because she ran unopposed, not for any other hinky reasons. For some background, Campbell was also the lawyer for the parents of Terry Schiavo. And she was then appointed by Jeb Bush. And she stayed on. Because, of course. Yeah. Who's Terry Schiavo? Oh, uh, Terry Schiavo was a woman Mm. who was in a permanent vegetative state. But if you. Yeah. Yeah. And her husband wanted to take her off of life support and her parents refused. And it became a question of who has the right. And plenty of people, including politicians, uh, made a lot of hay over it. Um, and ignored neurologists. And then there were shysters and, uh, you know, uh, grifters is the term I'm looking for, uh, for, uh, for, uh, you know, going in. And the thing is that the active coma that she was in, she was responsive, but not meaningfully so. And it was only reflexive. It was, it's, it's really fucking hard to watch. Um, I don't recommend it. Yeah. I have, I don't recommend it. Yeah. Her, her parents, I, you know, I I can I can sympathize. God help me. I hope I never have to empathize, but I can sympathize with her parents. Mm-hmm. And they I don't I I don't see her her parents as being villains, but everybody around them yeah. were like just made my blood boil listening to these people because it was so clear. That 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 so many of them were just jumping on it for clout. Yeah, and it was, um, it was disgusting. Yeah, it was terrible. It, no. it felt like it was like the first steps in the um the the argument against abortion. To be perfectly honest, all life well, is sacred. Therefore, yeah, like, I you know I I feel like it was chronologically too late to be the first steps, but it was it was a beginning of a new. A, a new, new wave. Salvo. Yeah. 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 I I didn't know. I don't remember her name, but I do remember the whole story. Mm-hmm. I also remember it because my mom was very much involved watching that story. Okay. And she had she sat me down. It was like if I was ever in that state, I am letting you know you are supposed to pull the plug. Yeah. And I'm just looking at her I'm like, Mom, I'm too stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it is too early in the morning. Right. <laughs> I just asked if there were any cornflakes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And this is a Wendy's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in the beginning of the actual trial, Campbell makes several prejudicial comments to the jury about her distaste with the state of journalism in America, um, which is, you know, on brand, I guess. Um, to say that this is a bit irregular would be an understatement. Um David Houston, uh, who's really weird looking, uh, was the main lawyer for Hulk Hogan, uh, for Terry Bollea, and he said that they originally had sent a request to Gawker to take it down and that they would drop the case. I have no reason to di- to discount this or to disbelieve this. Quote, in the name of decency, if nothing else, take it down and we walk away. Houston has said that over and over, and Denton never denied that. I think that they actually did send that. I also don't so- think... Gawker was going to take it down. So who is the one who opened up with 
the state of journalism. That's the judge talking to the jury. Okay. Uh, like, like right that there, right, right there, the defense attorney should have been, um, I move for a mistrial. But who do you yeah. move it to? another judge yeah i mean this is why that would be an appeal i think this case grounds for an appeal yeah i think this case genuinely redeems lance ito uh, because everybody was bugged by how boring he was but to be perfectly honest he was all about procedure so yeah 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 and just from that statement and first off Mm -hmm. i i hear i hear students who say that i'm like first off i don't think you want it's not that you want journalism to be a certain way. It's that you want to feel like you are correct when it comes to what journalists present. If it's not presenting in your way, it's wrong. And that goes into this theory known as the third person effect, which argues if we are watching or watching media coverage or reading a news article that is literally presenting uh, information in a neutral way, we find that as kind of like an attack on ourselves. Uh, We find it, we perceive it as bias, even if it's like taking the most centrist, milquetoast approach. Uh, We view it as bias because it's not supportive. It's not, it's not that it's not supporting our view, but how dare you take legitimize that opposing view? Mm -hmm. And I I just want to bring that up mainly because I get so annoyed when people like, I, I don't have a journalism background, I study a lot of it, and mm-hmm. I do respect a lot of it. Do some journalism? Do, do some journalism? Blah blah blah. Do some journalists get things wrong? Yes, we're human. It's about the course correction from there. Right. Um. That being said, that there should have been a call for a new judge or something just from that opening statement. Yeah. 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 Because but this is Florida in the 2010s. Yeah, but we're also we also have like procedure and there's so many other things involved. But ah. in Florida in the son, 2010s, son, <laughs> I don't think you understand where you are right now. <laughs> so again, the further the further north you go in Florida, the further southern south you actually yeah, yeah. and and Tampa's yeah. way up there. Yeah, uh, son, son, we don't we don't cotton all that northern liberal hippie shit like like procedure and due process. That's that's commie shit, boy. Yeah, like yeah, boy. Now, anyway, now Tampa is still hurting me. <laughs> Tampa is still two hours further south uh, than where I lived, where we had separate cemeteries. Um. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and where I lived, where there are separate cemeteries, there are also separate parts of town, of course. Uh, and and procedure, mm, that that mm. does not stand up to the way we do things around here. So, yeah. Where you, you... I, I will give one thing that I do love about Florida, though. Okay. I do love their sunshine laws. They have sunshine laws? And that is... It's it's um it's probably it's it's a different it's a different type sunshine law. It Mm -hmm. is for journalism. You know, the whole Florida man thing when it comes to like you type something in. Yeah. 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 Like I do love very much how much they allow uh, information access in that sense. They are the Spain of the United States. 
you know, when Spain didn't censor their their newspapers, so everybody thought that the flu started there because that was the first yeah. place it was re- reportable. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, Charles Harder also helped Houston to represent Hulk Hogan. Harder has a regularly sued. No, he has regularly sued. He has not. He does not own a. He has regularly sued news or media organizations. Um, he seems to rat-a-tat sue people, similar to Roger Stone. Uh, he also represents Melania Trump. Meanwhile, <laughs> another lawyer from Hollywood, Keith Davidson, has entered the chat. Uh, he made his living as kind of a sex tape broker, um, and he was trying to do that with Hulk Hogan. So he's a lawyer who basically would go to people and be like, hey, I've got this sex tape, and these people want to sell it. I'll let you have first right of refusal so you can you know, catch and kill. Um, Hogan's attorneys actually set up a sting opportunity with the FBI to meet in Clearwater, Florida, uh, Clearwater Beach, Florida, pardon me, um, to exchange the racist sex tape for money, because that's the one that really mattered to him. Uh, the problem with the broker is that they're a broker and that's it. So they're not the real source of the video. They're just the broker. So they're not really arrest worthy and all the same that there was an FBI raid. Uh, Houston watched the video. Uh, and it sounds like from the audio of the bugged room that Hogan was there with him discussing how betrayed he felt by Bubba. The FBI raided the room once the deal was made and the money was exchanged, and they got Hogan and Houston out of the room. The FBI detained Davidson and his cohort, and all of this detail was disclosed during the discovery part of the trial, which one could argue makes a really strong case for the wrongness of the sex tape. Now, Houston then sends a personal email to Denton asking cease and desist for publishing the video ahead of any testimony. Uh, but I believe during discovery process of the trial or or just before it, I'm not quite sure. Um, quote, it is not meant to threaten, but rather as an advisement as to what we must do in order to protect the image of Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan's privacy rights. Now, he uses those names, not Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan. So the DBA, the doing business as name, Denton refused, partly because at this point, Hogan had already gone on Howard Stern to talk about the sex tape and joke about it. Um, And it had already been published by others. So Denton didn't find the email to be very persuasive to either cease or desist. Um, And Gawker really took its role as the troll to the powerful and the wealthy very seriously here. Uh, During the trial, Terry Bollea said that he was hurt by all of this. Quote, this has been devastating to me. He, Terry Bollea, testified that he started breaking down and having an anxiety attack on the phone when he learned that Gawker had posted the video. And again, others had already published it. He had gone on Howard Stern already, but it's the Gawker aspect that he's having panic attacks over. And he testified that he didn't feel like he had anyone in his life who loved him or w- or was his friend. Now, I firmly believe that that's true. I think Terry Bollea absolutely is in dire need of a hug, a non-coital hug, and a lot of therapy. That doesn't mean that you sue the umpteenth agency that has published this. Um, now, this meant that Gawker had invaded... Here's what's fun. Gawker invaded Terry Bollea's privacy and inflicted emotional pain and distress on Terry Bollea 
while the character of Hulk Hogan that he played was making the media rounds and joking and bragging about the sex tape. So yeah. he's using kayfabe. Yes. As a, a way, as... Yes. As kind of this shield to mm. protect himself. Yes, Hulk Hogan and have this... did all those things. But Terry Bollea is feeling hurt. And Terry Bollea has rights. <sighs> to privacy. And he does... Uh... That's the bitch of it. You were absolutely right that this is a privacy issue. You're 100% right. But then he goes on radio shows and talks and jokes about it. But he's like, oh, no, no, that was Hulk Hogan. See, Terry Bollea. I was originally on the side of like Hulk Hogan because I didn't know about that part where he went on other shows. So you were on the side that... of Terry Bollea. I don't. Yeah. This is the problem <sighs> with goddamn kayfabe. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a similar mm. it's a similar kind of situation with corporate personhood. Mhm. It's this it's this convenient fiction that like in in corporate personhood is is coming from a very different place. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's a convenient fiction. Corporate to, corporate to... personhood is kayfabe. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I mean, kayfabe. yeah. Yeah. We're 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 treating we're treating codified entity. Yeah, we're treating a non-human entity as as effectively human for legal reasons. Mm-hmm. In the same way that, well, you know, um, we're we're referring to this man by this made-up name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it winds up creating situations where, well, okay, see, that wasn't me, right? That was that was Unobo Corp. You're gonna you know, you're gonna get more upset in just a minute. Oh, could God. I use this argument to get two paychecks? No, because you, you were could... Terry Bollea doing business as Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the DBA. Uh, although that up for at you. One the point... university I teach at, both yeah. um, <laughs> hire Andrew Sutherland and then Southern Andrewland. Yeah. Um, Andrew Suds, Prof Suds. There, there we go. go. That's your favorite name, yeah, baby. Your character. Perfect. There you are. Yeah, are. I no, did so... have an. I did wrestle in high school a lot, and I did get a nickname, and it. I love it, but I also hate it at the same time. I was called the Blonde Beast. Ooh. Nice. I like. Yeah, it. I was very aggressive, and it was given to me. My mom was talking to a uh, lady, and she was like, "The lady was like." Oh, my son, he just got out of it, just recovered from a broken leg or a broken shoulder. And I just hope he doesn't wrestle that blonde beast over there. And she's like, my mom's like, who's who do you mean by blonde beast? And it was, it was me. Nice. And I did wrestle that kid and I went at his shoulder. <laughs> nice. You made him the the brunette bottom. Yeah. There yeah. You go. There you go. Now. Here's a fun fact. Let's just rewind a little bit. You remember that time between when Hulk Hogan like was a good guy and hadn't joined the NWO again and and it goes back and forth and does all that weird shit? Yeah. At one point he was wrestling as Terry Bollea. And he even had a shirt made and it said TCB taking care of Bollea. <laughs> <laughs> And when? that's not the part that's going to piss me off. Where? Where did this he is, do this? This was in oh, no. WCW. 
that is the part that has pissed me off. That's not the part that's going to piss me off the most. This is WCW before he ends up in his, uh, you know, angry fight with Vince Russo. So this is this is I think between um, his April hiatus of ninety nine and when he comes back in ninety nine. I think he comes back as Terry Bollea for a bit. Yeah. Okay. So if that's not the part that's going to piss me off, right. which it does, I'm going to make this point. Oh, sure. In in the Muppets, uh, Muppets in, in space, yeah. he is credited as Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And then parentheses Hollywood Hulk Hogan, I believe. Let me double wow. check. Okay. Because you remember at one do- point he was credited as Terry Hulk Hogan for yes. uh, for the uh, the Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Or the the Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. Yep. So, now it's funny because yep. after uh, okay, so we 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 had to kind of go off there. When I pointed out that you know he he was making the the rounds as Hulk Hogan, the very next line was kayfabe. Um, so at one point on the stand during the trial, the Gawker oh, no. trial, oh, they asked him if he the 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 lawyer for Gawker, the defense lawyer, asked Terry Bollea. The witness on the stand, if he was on the Bubba the Love Sponge show discussing the length of his penis, here was his response. Quote, well, it's not mine because mine isn't that size, but we were discussing the length of Hulk Hogan's. That's not how it works. The attorney was equally gobsmacked. He said, seriously? Hogan, no, seriously, I do not have a 10-inch penis. No, I do not. Seriously. You were discussing Hulk Hogan's penis? Yeah, because Terry Bollea's penis is not 10 inches, like you're trying to say. You didn't think that that was invasive of your privacy, right? My privacy is Terry Bollea or Hulk Hogan. Now, <laughs> Hulk Hogan is the one on the fucking tape. But like, What name do they call you by on the fucking tape, motherfucker? But he's do testifying Terry? as Terry Bollea. Okay, but, but, but. And they're asking, so are you asking Terry Bollea about what Hulk Hogan said? I'm sorry, that's hearsay. Um, no, motherfucker. It's no. There's you videotapes. You okay? No, right, of Hulk you know Hogan what? discussing his penis. No, not of Terry okay. Bollea. No, okay. Who am I talking to right now? Am I talking to Terry Bollea? Okay, of course. Yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you, Mr. Bollea. I appreciate yeah. that. Now, very quickly on the tape in question. Yes. Um, where Hulk Hogan you, was talking. On the on the on the on the sex tape in question. Oh no no um, that's we're talking about a, a tape of him talking on the the radio show. Oh no I know I know yeah. I've 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 no given the up sex on that tape was Terry Bollea having sex yeah. Okay yeah, I because that's who's being inflicted with emotional damages here. Did did Mister Sponge? Yes. In the course of your conversations during that tape, did Mister Sponge? address the individual in that tape mm-hmm. by the name Terry or by the name Hulk. I think it was Hulk. Yeah. Here, you have no question. standing to sue Mr. Balea because you're not on that fucking tape. Hey, you see that? Yeah. You just, no, you don't, know. you know what? You don't get to have it both fucking ways. If he was calling you Hulk and and all of the okay, material look, if, on Gawker if, refers if a 10 to inch all penis of the was going into Heather Clem, then you'd have an argument that that was Hulk Hogan. I'm sorry that Bubba the Love Sponge confused us, but that's on him, not on no, me. No, Hulk Hogan is a fucking liar. 
Mr. Balea. Kayfabing. What, it's, um, you, you know what? We're in a court of law. I can. How call do we it, even? I can how do we even it know it was actually Bubba the Love, Bubba the Love Sponge, or was it the other guy? Whatever his real name is, Alan Clem. Yeah. Yeah. Who is actually <laughs> the problem here? So at this Who point, okay. At, at at this point, Hulk Hogan gets he gets exasperated. He gets exasperated because they said, or Hulk Hogan. And he says, we've talked about Hulk Hogan several times. I need to make you understand this, that Hulk Hogan gave up his privacy the moment he walked out of his front door and became a celebrity. And so I don't like talking about Hulk Hogan's penis, but I've already tried to explain to you, I gave up my right as Hulk Hogan to have Hulk Hogan have any privacy. I don't know how much clearer I can make that to you. In later testimony, Hogan said, quote, I didn't want to bring Terry Bollea, the man, into the conversation when he was talking about his appearance on Howard Stern. Then they said, you knew that this was hot news and when, and when going into these interviews that they would be asking about the sex tape, didn't you? Yes, sir. But he didn't. He went as Hulk Hogan, not as Terry Bollea. See, you have to understand You're... kayfabe for any of this to make any fucking sense. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know what? I do and understand the attorneys kayfabe. don't. And in yeah. no trial that I have covered in this series has anybody understood kayfabe. Here's, Here's the deal. The oh, go, go ahead. No, no. no you're going to say you... probably the exact same thing I'm going to say. Okay. Kayfabe as a construct is fine. Mm-hmm. Within the context of the squared circle, entertainment, squared yeah. circle, mm-hmm. anything and everything having to do with it, surrounding it, all of that. Yes, but they lived their gimmicks back in the 70s and 80s. I, okay, no, I baiting all the fucking time. If you okay. got injured in the ring, you don't get to get seen down at Publix not walking around in a cast. You'd have to okay. keep that shit up. It's carnage. Understood. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. But then here's the deal. You go into a court of law, and there are facts. There is objective reality, Mm -hmm. and you don't get to play both sides of personhood. Fucking no. Like, like I I wish there had been a kayfabe-savvy enough attorney... Mm-hmm. To to look Hogan in the eye and say, "Okay, bullshit." I kind of hope just, that there's a law school somewhere that teaches kayfabe. Yeah, no kidding. As a as a class, as a at like okay, and it might just be a two session, eight hour class that like yeah. you can take as extra unit. Yeah, you know, just but... yeah. But like, no, I I at this point, I mm-hmm. want somebody to look Hulk Hogan specifically, Terry Balea in the face and say bullshit. Yeah. I under I understand. I totally understand that you have spent so much of your life mm-hmm. living in this liminal identity space that you don't know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. But for the purpose of the fucking law, you only get to be one person. I a hundred percent agree. And I like, agree with that context. And that's <sighs> in a way I was gonna say that. I'm just gonna add one thing. 
Yeah. You were giving me shit a while ago about damn handing about procedure. <laughs> but we got to remember we're in goddamn Florida where facts don't matter. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of the problem here. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shall we go to the election of 2000 and talk kayfabe? Ah! <laughs> so the thing ah. is, and the nobody, points don't matter. Nobody understood the liminal corpuscular space that kayfabe occupies, right? And this lack of understanding has a massive legal implication. The laws and regulations about the media and advertising and puffery don't quite understand kayfabe either. Wrestling has a singularly unique quality in this. It is the only thing that kayfabes. And this means that to some extent, Trump's campaign and presidency was essentially kayfabe. His early defenses of his own misogyny was that of his, it's, this is my TV personality. And plenty of syncophants over at the Not News Media Channel Fox, who also do kayfabe, made the same defense of him. Quote, a lot of those statements are what Mr. Trump made as a TV character, so I don't think that some of that is going to stick. End quote. That was Katrina Pearson, Trump's campaign national spokeswoman, speaking on Super Tuesday during the campaign in 2016. The kayfabe is why Trump became president. If Donald Trump uses the argument about kayfabe in his mm -hmm. re most recent uh, indictment, saying, oh, it wasn't President Trump or former President Trump who mishandled those documents. It was TV personality t Trump. I will lose my mind. I don't think I will can, lose my because when Ken Patera and I forget who else, it was another wrestler, but when Ken Patera threw a garbage can through a McDonald's, he was kayfabing as Ken Patera. He still went to jail for two years. Um, wrestlers. Yeah, that's, that's that's not a that's yeah. not a that's not a civil matter. That's a criminal matter. That's that's a whole other level of, so of this. Yeah, but he yeah. got Mick. He got Mick trouble by Mick McDonald. So like yeah, McDonald's well, yeah. is. Much higher. Yeah. Higher no, I'm 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 going I'm sorry, I'm I'm going back to making the comparison between Ken Patera and and the Gawker suit. Mm -hmm. You know, the Gawker suit is a is a civil trial. Yeah. That was a criminal thing. It's like, no no. Yeah. You know, the okay. different the difference between the difference between the legal vagaries that are involved in right. in in a lawsuit that essentially comes down to damages being paid. No, versus... the, reason I, the reason I brought up Ken Patera was because yeah. Donald Trump stole documents. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Those yeah, are yeah, criminal. Yeah. Both yeah. of those, those things are, are criminal. Entirely criminal. Donald yeah. Trump calling uh, a or making fun of a disabled reporter, calling a woman ugly or fat, or saying that he grabs them by the pussy or whatever. That's kayfabe. That's just his TV personality. That's the defense they used. And that's how he got to do that shit. Listen, we've been through I like can't disagree with that analysis. Yeah. I can't either, but also we got to remember we went through the Trump presidency mm -hmm. and all the norms were thrown out, baby. Yeah, in favor of anything Trump, can happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because because he said it but he doesn't mean it. Well, he meant it but not the way you think. Well, it doesn't matter if he meant it because it's true. I mean, it it Oh yeah, well, yeah. Randy I... Savage had a reason to go attack Hulk Hogan. Clearly, Miss Elizabeth Hulk Hogan had had designs on Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage's eyes. It made sense. 
Like a lot of people, same kind of thing. Yeah. So Denton saw that, <laughs> but without calling it kayfabe as dangerous, and and uh, uh, he he saw all that stuff as dangerous, and he wondered why anyone should be immune to be called being called out for their lies. And he really hung his hat on this aspect of it all, and he's gonna lose. People began uh, asking <laughs> at the same time. Another player has entered the chat. During this trial, people started asking, where is Hogan getting all the money to pursue this court case? And then he dropped a very specific charge from the civil suit against Gawker partway through the case. He said, I'm dropping the negligent infliction of emotional distress. Now, that particular charge was within Gawker's insurance policy about infliction of bodily harm, against which they were insured. This is standard for a lot of news companies. Dropping this charge meant that the insurance company was no longer going to have to pay for the damages, which meant that now Denton, Gawker, and Delario, the editor-in-chief, who ironically had been pushed out by Denton earlier in 2013, were all open to having to pay the damages for the other charges personally, because the law is fucking weird. Now, this move made sense from a financial perspective. Hulk Hogan... Uh, I'm sorry, it didn't make sense. It made no sense from a financial perspective. Hulk Hogan was suing for $100 million for the invasion of privacy, infringement of personal personality rights, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. But by dropping that last one, it was thought that Hogan wouldn't win very much money by reducing the claim, which is weird considering what he claimed uh, his finances were like post-divorce. By all accounts, Linda Hogan was awarded more than 70% of their liquid assets in addition to 40% ownership of Hulk Hogan's companies because she was with him from the fucking beginning. She mm -hmm. Remember, Vince McMahon was at their wedding, and this is, pre, this is either right after Mania or right before Mania. Hulk Hogan also had to pay her a $3 million property settlement. That's a lot of financial loss, and that's only what's available to the public, and I spent a long time looking. If Hulk Hogan wanted to maximize his own financial recovery on these damages, that would be the last thing that he would do. Well, any any trial attorney, any tort mm -hmm. lawyer is going to tell you, you go after the deep pockets, and yep. oh, they're insured? Right. Awesome. Yeah. And yet yeah. He, he exactly didn't do that on purpose. So how is he paying for this? Deeper pockets are involved. Andrew, mm -hmm. you're going to say something or were you just kind of like, yeah, I know where this is going. No, I know. I yeah. know. <laughs> so Hogan's lawyers would stay at really nice hotels in Tampa. Who's paying for that? Now, Judge Campbell ru ruled that the FBI raid stuff, including the stuff with Hulk Hogan saying the N-word a whole bunch and being post-coitally homophobic, was not allowed to be included in the trial. But the transcript of Hulk Hogan's epithet uh, use was leaked to the Inquirer, who then leaked it to the WWE, who then terminated his contract and scrubbed him from all of their front-facing content. So you'd still see him on all the pay-per-views and episodes of things, but you literally couldn't search for his name for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, what is that word that they use uh, in, in Canceling? Rome? No. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Or something? Memento, Memento Mori? No, 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 like the no, no, Natio. No, no. I forget. Yeah. Anyway, he got scrubbed from all their forward-facing stuff. It's kind of the Chris Benoit effect. You can still watch any Chris Benoit match, but you can't search for him. Um, 
the number one star who helped make that company what it was, was just gone from the streaming services. You could not search for him. And that made a ton of news. Now, I'm sure that Richard Belzer was very happy about that. <laughs> now, Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. Go Sorry, the, the Roman term is damnatio memoriae. That's right. Now, Hulk Hogan admitted that it was stupid of him to say that thing, to say the N-word and all the postcoital homophobia. Houston thinks that Denton thought it would help show people that this was why Hulk Hogan was going after Gawker, not the privacy stuff. And he, uh, Houston, had messaged... Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, Hogan had messaged Bubba the Love Sponge showing how worried he was about the racial slurs being publicized. Now, Hogan's lawyers twisted the words and the intent around Gawker's former editor-in-chief, A.G. Delario. Uh, he had a sarcastic reaction uh, to someone deposing him. He'd been asked if there was ever a sex tape that wasn't in the public interest to be seen. And he said yes, if they were a child. And when they pressed him for an age, he's like, I don't know, fucking four? Um, clearly exasperated, clearly sarcastic. But of course, the defense attorney hit him with, oh, so you think joking about child pornography is funny? This is all in the trial. It's not stricken. It's not, you know, the judge doesn't call foul. There's no, like, Bubba signaled that he preemptively would plead the fifth. And the judge directed the attorneys arguing the case not to bother putting him up on the stand to make him plead in court. Which procedure now the jury wasn't told about any of this by the way all of these decisions are made away from the jury yeah no that's that's all uh behind the scenes stuff but what yeah. i what i find what i find interesting is he signaled he was going to plead the fifth mm -hmm. this is a civil trial mm -hmm. um what is what is he pleading the fifth to like Especially since that where? case that that had been dropped, Hogan's case yeah. against Bubba was gone. Yeah, like, okay, self incrimination. How? Yeah, like, yeah. There's there's so much sketchy shit going on here. Like, oh my god. Yeah. So Gawker loses the case. The jury rules that the sex tape with Hulk Hogan using ethnic slurs was not a matter of public concern. And therefore, it was not newsworthy and that Gawker posted it knowing this, specifically naming Nick, Nick Denton in this. The result was that Hulk Hogan got awarded, or Terry Balea, got awarded 100, actually, I'm going to say Hulk Hogan, <laughs> uh, got awarded $115 million in compensatory damages. Additional punitive damages of $15 million against Gawker, $10 million against Denton, and 100000 against Delario. That's the equivalent of 14 1988s. Ultimately, Gawker would settle with Hogan by paying $31 million to him after shuttering and selling itself to Univision. And that was his approximate net worth in 2008 before the divorce got settled. So it's a pretty sweet deal for Hulk Hogan. Now, two years later, Brian Goldberg would buy Gawker for $1.5 million at a bankruptcy option in 2018. In January of 2019, it was announced that Maya Kossoff, Anna Breslau, Ben Barna, and Carson Griffith we're joining Gawker. And then a week later, Maya, Maya Kossoff and Anna Breslau quit because Carson Griffith was inappropriate and made, made awful comments to them. Quote, we're disappointed it ended this way, but we can't continue to work under someone who is antithetical to our sensibilities and journalistic ethics. 
or for an employer, CEO Brian Goldberg, who refuses to listen to the women who work for him when it's inconvenient. And that fight got messy over the next two years as Griffith sued another publication for running an article that was defamatory about him with the cooperation of Kossoff and Breslau. In short, it sounds like mean girl on mean girl violence, to be honest. But I'm going to typically I'm just going to believe the women when they say, hey, people were shitty to us to the point where we had to say something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to the settlement. The jury said that they wanted to award Hulk Hogan more, but the judge warned them not to bankrupt Denton and Gawker so that they wouldn't be able to get out of paying. So many grounds for appeal here. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, at least, at least the small town hick judge in my cousin Vinny, like was actually running a courtroom. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Lord. So Denton but told it's the press Florida. Yeah. Now Denton told Excuse the press outside of the courthouse that they hadn't been allowed to present the full case to the jury and that they would be in fact ap- appealing the case uh, as the amount of money awarded would destroy the organization. Denton had also told the court at the hearing that he would use stock in Gawker worth 81 million as security to guarantee payment of the jury verdict. And typically during an appeal, you have to essentially pay the fine to a significant amount. Unfortunately, Gawker had just announced its bankruptcy and there was an offer on the table to buy the company at the same time. And the judge said that Denton hid, quote, material information about the value of the stock, which a reasonable person under similar circumstances should have disclosed. So she's really going after him. Now, even at this point, Denton was aware of Peter Thiel's involvement. And I'll going to get into that more in just a second quote we took this is from denton we told the court they did not know what the company's shares would be worth that uh we told the court they did not know what the company's shares would be worth especially after it had been pummeled by hogan and teal but we were willing or were willing to pledge all of them there was no misrepresentation however this largely was just the effort to protect gawker from having to pay up uh up to pay up right away to hulk hogan Denton would have to undergo the same process personally to avoid having to pay Hogan immediately. And like I said, they eventually all settled with Hogan for about $31 million. Now, the New York Times, right after the trial, published a piece pointing to a Silicon Valley billionaire named Peter Thiel as the one funding the case on Hogan's behalf, despite having no specific standing in the case. Again, mm-hmm. remember, Hogan's attorneys are staying in nice places. Hogan is able to keep this trial going. Um, <clears throat> Teal admitted to it the next day. Straight up admitted to it. And everybody reported it. Even Houston said that he was surprised. Teal is an early investor in Facebook, co-founded, uh, uh, co-founder of PayPal and essentially a tech bro. And here's where Denton is somewhat validated in his suspicions. Brian Stetler of CNN said that it was a new threat to free speech, having billionaires being able to shut down news organizations using the courts to litigate them into financial ruin. Now, Teal's history sounds simple when you when you look at his history with Gawker. They outed him, um, and he had the means to get revenge. Uh, that's that's true. That that happened. 
Uh, but it also has a few layers that somewhat wrinkle and tangle that simplicity. Denton didn't like the idea. Denton is also gay. And he didn't like the idea of Teal getting uh, to pass for straight as it added to the toxic tech bro, tech bro culture to not be out. Now, that's certainly a discussion uh, that folks can have about the ethics of outing others who are benefiting from passing. Um, and if that's all it was, I wouldn't really bother analyzing it further. But Gawker didn't just out Teal. They also reported on a bunch of his ultra-wealthy friends and their shitty behavior, including a story about a buddy of Teal's whose Game of Thrones meets the Hobbit-themed wedding rented out a section of the Redwoods and paid a huge fine for the damage that they caused to the ecosystem in the Redwoods. Um, a fine, if you're rich enough, is a service fee. Uh, yeah. And what I really think made the difference was this. Gawker had also reported on a huge loss that Teal endured with a hedge fund losing tons of value, which is one of the ways that Teal has become rich and powerful. So this was a damage to his brand. It's less about outing him and more about outing his financials. And Gawker ultimately yep. was critical of Silicon Valley and they're very image conscious down there. So yeah. were you going to say something there? Andrew? They are. Yeah. Well, no. just, um, you know, it's it's uh, millionaires behaving badly. Billionaires, but yeah. Billionaires behaving yeah. badly. It's or yeah. just billionaires being, I mean, let's be real. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and 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 as as much as again, this is mean girl on mean girl shit. Um, you know, Mark Twain would have would have pointed to this and said, "No, that's that's what you need to be doing." Yeah. That's and Ambrose Spears yeah, yeah, signed on to do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, he was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Again, mean girl yeah. on mean girl. Um, yeah. uh, and H.L. Mencken would have would have mm -hmm. been, you know, all all yeah. for it. Like, you know, because because that's that is what we need the fourth estate for. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is historically uh trenchant i think to make a comparison to the gilded age you know yep. um and and yeah we're 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 living we're living in a second gilded age and mm -hmm. this is this is one of the uh stones in the arch that that is holding that up yeah yep aj and i'm oh yeah go on yeah, and I'm perfectly like, yeah, I agree. We should be exposing like these bad business practices and stuff mm -hmm. like that too, especially because like, hey, we live in a capitalist society. If we're going to let the market decide, uh, we should be as a, an informed public on who we should invest in. Should we be investing in um, people who make bad decisions who also, I would add, are very much in favor or, or – very much in favor of dictatorships and are promote a lot of anti-democracy sentiments. Uh-huh. I am not a fan of Thiel. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go a little bit more into him too. Um, Delario's former editor in chief of, of Gawker, like I said, um, he said that the whole trial had nothing to do with him or Hulk Hogan and that it was ultra rich person taking down a news organization that didn't fear the ultra rich. Teal validated this suspicion, stating in an interview that funding the lawsuit to destroy Gawker was, quote, one of my greater philanthropic things that I've done. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Philanthropic. That's philanthropy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Teal goes all over nowadays speaking, and, and at all the national press clubs, he has said that it was only Gawker that he went after. And so far, that's true. However, the precedent he set is a dangerous one because now anyone or any corporation uh, with money can fund litigation against a news organization and destroy it. Teal is into seasteading, which is essentially offshore libertarian floating paradise slash hell schemes. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course he is. Of course he is. They all are. It, it gets better. He also has supported research on using the blood of the young to infuse it into the old and extend their lives. Yeah, I had heard about that. Yeah. So he's literally a libertarian vampire. He also wrote a book that's kind of this generation's Madison Grant called The Diversity Myth. Oh, oh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In case the title doesn't give it away, the problem, according to Teal, is that there's too much racism and it, it, the, the problem isn't that there's too much racism and systemic oppression. The problem is that, quote, people are looking for these things too much. See, the problem, according says to the you, says the billionaire white guy who probably yeah. grew up in an upper middle class or lower upper class background and considers himself a self-made man mm-hmm. in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. Yeah. I will also add he's very much against. uh women having rights yes and um what else there was another thing oh he hates democracy yep he's he he says teachers are a problem the suffrage for women is and increasing social welfare has been bad for libertarians which i would agree and i I mean cheer it on yeah um and i would say personally yeah i would personally say being a libertarian is being bad for libertarians i would agree Uh, yeah, I would agree. I I have not met any any libertarians yet who who give a good accounting of libertarianism. Yeah, I've I've yeah. met one, and I've met one, and now he's not a libertarian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's normally how it goes. Teal has said that democracy is inherently limiting to freedom. Um, he is at Which his makes core. no sense. <laughs> He said he 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 is at his core. He is a tech fascist. He's Tony Stark without the heart. Yeah. Now, yeah. Palantir is another of his organizations. Oh, Ed, Ed, so your eyes picked up on that one. Oh no! It essentially yep. gathers information on people and analyzes their data. Ed, would you care to tell me why the name Palantir is disturbing? Well, I'm I'm familiar with the the real world tech bro Palantir, but the the name <laughs> I find the name offensive because it's taken from Tolkien. Uh-huh. And the the Palantir were uh seeing stones. Uh-huh. Um and I don't know if they I think they do use the word in the films. They do because he covers it. He's like, you don't know where they all are, so you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. and the the Numenorians, the the mm-hmm. men of of the the you know golden age of of Tolkien's world, uh, had these stones that they could that they could use to communicate over long distances. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the fall of Numenor, only seven of them survived. Right. And then over the course of a couple of thousand years, because Tolkien timeline, 
um, a number of them were were lost and fell yeah. into the hands of Sauron. Yes. And one of the plot points is that both Saruman, first the white, then the many colored, and uh, Denethor, the steward of Gondor, have both been secretly using Palantir for different reasons, and Sauron has managed to corrupt their minds uh, by using them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so choosing that name yeah for for a for a surveillance program Mm -hmm. because that's what it is like Mm -hmm. well you know we're we're, you know it's for marketing and whatever all and yeah don't care it's a surveillance Mm -hmm. it's a fucking surveillance program and you you the only trying to figure out exactly how to phrase this clearly within within the legendarium of Tolkien's universe, the upshot of the Palantir being used was like bad shit happened. Like, mm-hmm. like the Dark Lord, yep. mm-hmm. capital D, capital L, Dark Lord, um, you know, used that to to destroy the unity of the the free peoples mm-hmm. of Middle Earth and to try to subjugate them. So you say when so, somebody uses the name of something like this, they're telling on themselves. A little bit. He does you know admit. The, what's that? He does admit that he do, he did get yeah. the name from Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. I also want to add another thing about Palantir. Please. Um, one one of the major investors was involved in a recent event. Um. Oh, do you, did you want to lead into it? No, no. You do it. You do it. Okay. Um. How how. Recently, um, another Florida man announced his he's seeking the presidency, Ron DeFascist, I mean DeSantis, um, and he made his announcement on Twitter alongside Elon Musk, mm-hmm. as well as David O. Sachs, who is heavily invested in yeah. Palantir. Yes. And so if that's and, not enough, the CIA has a venture capital arm. Yes. And it's called InQtel and it invests in Palantir. Because duh. <laughs> I mean, like like yeah. Carnivore. Like right. what I mean, I mean Carnivore was was strictly email. Right. But and then there's also I mean, Echelon, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean it's the same shit. It's yeah. it's it's corporations. Yeah. And and the government, you know, mm-hmm. developing tools to better to better monitor every interaction we have. Yep. Via the internet. Now, to me, his biggest sin was actually funding James O'Keefe to carry out the acorn stings. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's work. where I thought you were going. Oh, because because he did, didn't he? No. God <laughs> damn it! I had. Oh my god! That. Mm. Jesus. Which is of all the which is funny because. Did... Go ahead. Andrew, I'm sorry. It's extra funny because recently James O'Keefe got kicked out or yes. like removed from like the head of uh, Project Veritas and is trying to sue his company over it. <laughs> and, and it's again, it's the Raiders playing the Cowboys. It's also James O'Keefe is weird mainly because like he you can tell he has a lot of like anger that he could never become like a professional like actor or right. like 
uh, or involved in musical theater. So he uses this as a means right. of revenge. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Project it's Veritas. got some. It's got some Hanson vibes. You know, the the guy yeah. who just died, the agent Hanson, um, who never liked yeah. his father and so took it out on his his uh, different different. That's Mbop. Um, uh, I know. Took I it know. Out on his country. <laughs> Um, so all of this preceded Sheldon Adelson's shutdown of the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, and subsequent suing of an author who used to be on the Las Vegas Review Journal for libel. Again, ultra rich attacking reporters, and all of this is in fairly close close proximity to the time when Donald Trump was campaigning for president. Wealthy elites taking down critical and far-reaching news organizations mm-hmm. who have the reach and the leverage to run stories that are critical to their interests, get them. For instance, Peter Thiel donated $1.25 million to Trump's campaign. He was also named to the executive committee of Trump's transition team to the White House. By 2022, Peter Thiel had given more than $20.4 million to Republican candidates for the 2022 election campaigns. Peter Thiel supports kayfabe, and he said in 2009 that he, quote, no longer believes that freedom and democracy are compatible. It's because he wants all the freedom. Right. Yeah. And if his, people getting and if away. people because people who disagree with him mm-hmm. have the same say in the country for the most part. Right. He's mad that he's not dictator. Yeah, well, exactly. all of these all of these shitheads, mm-hmm. all of these guys are are coming from a position where it's like if if anybody else is free to if anybody else has freedom to do anything mm-hmm. that puts a limit somehow that is that is it's a, a limitation yeah. Yeah, it's a zero-sum game there's only so much freedom to go around and so if you split all the freedom up amongst everybody there's there's there is no freedom right and, exactly that's and, how they think Yep. Yeah, and and they all have this definition of freedom. This is the other thing that, that always like gets me just spitting mad anytime I wind up getting sucked into an argument with these people. Is their definition of freedom is like a 14-year-old boy's definition of freedom. Yes. Like a stupid 14-year-old boy's definition of freedom. Like, well, you know, that's the libertarian I, logic. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, very I, appealing I, I, to those boys. Yeah, I I want to I want to you know I want to I want to say the n word. Well, that's rude, Dude. and people yeah. are going to tell you to fuck off. Well, right. that's I have freedom of speech. Yes, you okay, do. No, you 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 do. Go for it. Have fun. And the you do. Go say it. Yeah, you know. How come you hit me? That's not fair. I had freedom of speech. Oh, you didn't have freedom from consequence though. Yeah. Now like, you learn. Yeah. Now you. This you is know. your finder out. Find out. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, Mick Foley once mm. said that Michael Hayes of the Freebirds uh, once told him some of the best advice he ever got in his career. The heel has to believe that he's right. Peter Thiel absolutely believes he's right. Mm -hmm. So back to Hulk Hogan. Since the sex tape came out, like I said, he has been scrubbed from their front-facing media all over the WWE. However, things like this don't last forever. Just like Mel Gibson eventually getting to come back and get awards after saying awful anti-Semitic things while drunk in a police car, Hulk Hogan got to come back to the WWE in 2018. He was reinstated into the Hall of Fame, invited backstage for a pay-per-view, mentioned briefly on a pre-show media event, 
and actually did work on screen for them at the Crown Jewel, a kind of problematic collaboration that they have with Saudi Arabia at the King Saeed University Stadium in Riyadh. Mm. Um, and this makes a lot of sense to me. It's not in the U.S., and it can be a one-off if the metrics show it to be a bad move. After Mean Gene Okerlund died, Hulk Hogan came back to talk about how much Gene meant to him and to the business. And wrapped in the shroud of Mean Gene, he became more active. He inducted Brutus Beefcake into the Hall of Fame in 2019. And he's done appearances here and there at WWE's request since then. Hulk Hogan is back. And every step along the way, Hulk Hogan has made astute use of the media to promote himself. And almost always at every step along the way, he's also made sure to elevate himself at the expense of others. From union busting, if Ventura is to be believed, to setting a precedent on how to destroy the press in the face of creeping fascism. The purveyor of Postamania has crippled those around him and found ways to stand tall himself. I guess everyone had the same answer to the age-old question. What you gonna do when Hulkamania runs wild on you? You get ruined. Wow. Wow. I really regret not having poured a beer for this episode because I need one badly <laughs> right now. Yeah. So Oy. I knew this stuff was going to come up. Like and how the do you whole feel? Teal stuff <laughs> and all that jazz. Yep. Uh, I, did, uh, I did not expect, like, I thought I was prepared. I did not expect to feel, like, much more downtrodden and feeling just gross. Yeah, it kind of comes yeah. crashing down and it hurts inside. Yeah. So, Andrew, I mean, but, you're the expert here. Tell us, I mean, with all this, what's... Communicate. Well, the first thing, well, the first thing I would say is that uh, democracy uh, does promote freedom. Um, freedom for all in the sense of in systems that allow individuals to have a say in who gets to represent them. Sure, your person who you vote for might not be elected, but that's part of how democracy works. Just going to make that point there because a major component around media literacy is that it helps in many ways promote democracy. That's the reason why I'm bringing that up. Um, I just need to make that point. I'm also going to add, like, I always find it ironic how you have certain types of conservatives or Republicans who say, oh, I'm against big tech, yet you're incredibly funded by it. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Going back. Yeah. So mm, who should we talk about, Hulk Hogan or Terry Bollea? Uh, mm. Good question. So that whole argument really punched me in the head because it's about really – it's about how he's maintaining his image. Mm-hmm. Who is he in the sense of the law? Even though, like, oh, who did he when he was on stand for for that for the whole steroids and drugs? Did he were did they refer to him as Terry or to Hulk? I think he had to swear in as Terry, obviously. Um, oh, but all reports would have had him as Hulk. Ah. Uh. Yeah, Peter Parker has to testify, not Spider-Man, you know, like, yeah, Reed Richards has to actually better, better example. Reed Richards has to testify, not Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, so he would have been sworn Speaking in. Speaking of another prick. Right. 
Um, so legally, he would have had to have sworn in as Terry. Um, his testimony, therefore, would have been given as Terry. But again, in the 90s, ain't nobody understanding uh, kayfabe. Like, that's why Vince got away with it all. So Yeah, but even I mean, now, people yeah. still clearly don't understand kayfabe. And yeah. so this whole, like, episode here is about, like, how do we maintain our image? Um, during when he was talking about, like, his vulnerabilities after having sexual relations with Heather um, under the eyes of Bubba Love Sponge. Um, he expresses vulnerabilities, but in a way to maintain his image. Uh, when he was on trial, he manipulate he he basically manipulated the concept of his image to basically produce confusion. Mm-hmm. And granted, that from the moment the judge said her disdain about like the journalism and journalists, yeah. um, you could tell this was going to be an uphill battle for Gawker. Mm-hmm. Um, and Terry Hulk, whoever, um, ultimately took the advantage of that type of hostility already at Gawker and just ran with this confusion. And I honestly think if you had a good lawyer, mm-hmm. because the judge was already expressing their biases, if you had a good lawyer who would have been calling out that bullshit, yeah. I think the judge would have been like, I'm holding you in contempt or something like that. Like making it dip more difficult for mm-hmm. uh, the defense. Yeah. I, I... Um, yeah. And so this whole notion of image is basically at his, in his palm of his hand. And then even that after that, <coughs> when he got back into the WWE for just those brief stints, he's coming back positive. He has his mm-hmm. he still has an image that's still positive. And and yeah. even in that case, I want to know how many like wrestling fans were even impacted by that stuff. Well, I do I they even it, know about it. Yeah, all of us knew about or it. Or even care. Well, and that you get to that part. And it's it's one of those things. Um, there are no children who are fans of Hulk Hogan. I, that's not true. That's not true. But most of the people who would have heard that story would have been my age and older slash a little bit younger, right? Um, mm-hmm. Those people would would have been like, this is really sad, but it didn't really change my view of Hulk Hogan as a wrestler. Like, yeah. And so I don't think there was much material damage done to him by this. In, in similar Even- ways to, to Trump saying grab him by the pussy didn't hurt him. He went up in the polls. Yeah, you know, and I, or I think this Mel is Gibson. I think Mel Gibson would be a better example. Yeah, in that sense, uh, especially because he's still he still says stuff like that, or yeah, he he does. he does dog whistles. I will say, yeah, um, much more undertone. Yeah, he used um, to do fog horns. Now he does yeah. dog whistles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, but like in that sense, like even it. I honestly think if that video came out mm-hmm. and people saw listened, and focused more on the racism component i i don't think a lot of like his fans would be like care or they'll be like oh that's disappointing mm-hmm. remember wrestlemania 3 yeah it would be that yeah yeah and then it would go away <laughs> yeah. and then 
he would just continue on. But instead, uh, he decides to let's destroy Gawker. <laughs> destroy Gawker, which and and I don't think that was at his initiative. No, again, I don't think you know WWE was at his initiative either. It's always somebody with bigger pockets coming to him and saying, "We could use you to do really great things here that you will benefit from financially." Mm. And, and and now that gets me into thinking, like, mm-hmm. at what points did he not actually have control of his image? And it was somebody else. Because throughout the entire series, I right. made the point, like, he had a lot of control. He presented himself in certain ways. But in this situation, it's really transparent. In a, uh, yeah, it's really transparent yeah. that he was used for somebody else's purposes. Was this the first time or were there other points? Well, and I like think, WCW in certain yeah. ways, but like he had a lot of control there due to his contract. Right. I also think though, in WWF too, uh, he had a lot of control. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think what happens is there is this mutual relationship wherein he lets them steer him but he gets to say also like what the destination is or how they're going to get there. You know, I, I don't think that he controlled it, it's, it's hard. I mean, you don't, you don't get to be champion for four straight years. You don't get to body slam Andre the giant without having some say in what's going on. You're not just showing mm-hmm. up and punching the clock going, what am I doing today, boss? That's not how it works. And at the same time, you know, when Vince was done with him, Vince was done with him. You know, like after WrestleMania yeah. 8, there was a huge push to get him out the door. And then he comes back after a little while and, you know, fucks up WrestleMania 9. But, um, you know, he he had, it, it's this symbiotic relationship with larger forces than himself who who are much, who are very wealthy. He's rich, they're wealthy. But at the same time, he has a lot of say over how to do that and mm-hmm. it happens to line up with their interests I'm extra happy now that he did not run for president <laughs> <laughs> yes. because we might have because we might have actually been living in a more fascist dystopia now so you're saying George W. Bush was actually the better timeline <laughs> And well, and this story know, begins and ends in Florida. So yeah. <laughs> just like W. Yeah. Oh God. Ugh. Ed, well, have you gleaned anything? Also, Florida sucks. You, that was... <laughs> yeah. Um that's that's a that's a big part of it. Um just the 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 last the last portion of it and being reminded of the uh, the way that we have slept on keeping control of people with an insane concentration of wealth. Yeah, if only um, tax them. Yeah, you know, um, the the fact that an individual like Peter Thiel could be involved in so much evil shit. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and, and that one, one individual with billions of dollars at their disposal 
could have this level of precedent setting power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I others think... have had more power. They just haven't thought to do the hack of, but what if I wasn't decent? Yeah. This level... what, what if, what if, what if I was just a complete asshole? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, yeah, I mean, what, what it comes down to, I guess, is that this is what happens when you allow capitalism mm-hmm. to run roughshod over everything. When, when capitalism uh, is not sufficiently pruned back, um, this, is, this is what it turns into. Yep. You know, and, and now we can't, we can't go at it with a pair of snippers. We need to get out the chainsaw and a flamethrower in order to, in order to, you know, purge the, the, uh, triffids that are, that, that have now, you know, sprung up in the garden and are taking over the planet, you know, in, in order to get us back to a place where, you know, we, we don't have this shit going on. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and Hogan being the, it's, it's, it's a surrealist note to me and on, on, on the whole, on the whole story that it is Hulk Hogan. It is this guy who has no real identity. Yeah. Hulk Hogan, you know, real. He has, he has no, he has like, is, is he Terry Balea? Is he Hulk Hogan? We don't know. Again, going back to the idea of this is a liminal identity, you know? It's as though one of the characters stepped out of the purple rose of Cairo and then filed suit. Yeah. That's, that's a really good, <laughs> you know? that's a really good analogy. Andrew, the purple rose of Cairo was a, a movie um, by Woody Allen. So grain of salt there. Jeff Daniels was in it though. Yeah. Um, but oh, cool. uh, yeah. It and was, he basically was... steps out of the movie into the real world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's one of, I, I would say it's one of the less problematic Woody yeah. Allen movies. There's maybe, probably maybe something not... in it that you, yeah, there's all I'm, well, I'm it. sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ooh. Stuff behind the scenes, most likely. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's Woody Allen. But yeah, yeah but um, more importantly, yeah, it, it's as though one of them filed suit, like Hulk Hogan yeah. is made up of whole cloth. And <laughs> yet... Yeah. Um. So it's yeah. I I guess that's that's my. We're we're living in a surrealist film. Yeah. Like. I I, I want to go back to a world in which there is an objective consensual, like we all, we all have a consensus about this is reality. I, I want to go back to that. So yeah. yeah, that would be my takeaway. Okay. Well, uh, Andrew, what would you like to recommend that people read or, or take in any kind of medium? Okay. Um, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug a blog, a friend of yeah. mine's blog, which also leads into a show that I absolutely adored recently. Um, my one of my friends in my grad program, she writes a blog. It's called The Happy Hagfish. Um, she talks about all sorts of media stuff. Um, and 
Uh, she rec she she does anal analysis of media and stuff like that too. Uh, and one of her shows she recommended, and I, after reading it, I watched it with my partner. Uh, it was called Hilda. It's on Netflix. It's it's kind of um it's a cartoon of a little girl who, in like a Scandinavian country, and they just go on adventures, and it's just wholesome and happy. Um, but also there's mysteries involved in a, in various ways. Um, it's kind of gives a vibe of a more folksy, um, what's it called? Folksy, um, gravity falls in a way. Okay. okay. Yeah. But it's also like the art style is great. The music's fun. And just also the mythical creatures involved is good and it's great writing all right cool all right Thank you. very cool ed what about you um i'm going to point our audience in the direction of another example of a um uh an individual with with an identity that is not entirely real um and this is actually and it's a fictional character um i very highly recommend the caiaphas kane novels by sandy mitchell and i'm sure i've probably recommended them before but um caiaphas kane is a hero of the imperium in in warhammer 40,000 he is a commissar uh which means a a political officer um which in the millennium of the of in the 41st millennium i should say um, essentially means he's kind of almost a religious officer because God emperor of mankind. And, um, he has this reputation as being this great hero, but the novels are written from his own point of view as his private memoirs. And he admits that everything he's ever done has been to try to get himself as far away from the front line where he could get shot as possible. And, over the course of the novel series, you get into this question of, okay, is he, obviously he's not, you know, the, the hero that he puts on this face of in front of other people, but he's also not as much of a coward as he keeps calling himself. So okay. like, you know, where, where is the line really drawn? And there's a third layer of, of meta involved because the individual who is editing his, his memoirs is a member of the inquisition who has dealt with him over the course of his long and illustrious career. And she includes commentary. So it's, it's this, it's, it's, they're a lot of fun and it gets into these, these questions of liminal identity. Okay. Um, and so I highly recommend that. How about you? Uh, I'm going to recommend the essay by Roland Barthes, Barth, B-A-R-T-H-E-S. So it could be Barthe, Bar, Bart, I don't know. It could be French, but Roland Barthes. Um, the World of Wrestling is the name of his essay. It uh, appeared in 1972 in Mythologies, uh, a journal. So I'm going to recommend that. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Ed, uh, I'll, I'll tell, you know, what? I'm going to go in reverse order this time. Oh, okay. Um, Y'all can find me on September 8th, as well as on October 6th at, uh, Luna's in Sacramento doing capital punishment. Um, $10, uh, gets you in, bring another 10 for merch and come sit down, enjoy the puns. 
Uh, Ed, where can we be found? Since I know you don't want to be found. I was going to say, nobody's going to find me because I'm going to find y'all first. Um, but uh, we can collectively be found on the internet at wubbawubbawubba.geekhistorytime.com. Uh, we can also be found on Twitter for as long as that place stays ticking uh, at uh, Geek History Time. And then, of course, you have likely found us either on uh, Stitcher or on the Apple Podcast app. Either way, uh, please give Damien's exhaustive research and self-sacrifice in watching these videos um the the five stars that you know his his effort and his uh uh as i said self-sacrifice uh deserves uh there you go and andrew sir where can you be found well first off brother i just want to call somebody out this podcast is the cream of the crop but i need to call out Dr. Cruz himself. He hasn't been on this podcast for a while, and he needs to come here and show us that Cruzomania. But in all honesty, Cruzomania is a single grain of sand in the Sahara Desert that is sud super madness. So I'm calling you out, Dr. C. I expect you on this podcast next time for the cream of the crop five-star review. That I tried. I need to. That was that was excellent. That was I, 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 I wish I wish you hadn't been so self-effacing there just now because yeah. I could have gone into my mean Gene Okerlund impersonation after that. But <laughs> yeah. That was actually I, really thank good. Thank you, Dr. Suds. Lots to say ahead of the next pay-per-view <laughs> episode. Uh, tune in once again next oh, yeah. Friday night and yeah. see what Dr. Suds has to say to Dr. Cruz. Well, for a Well, <laughs> No, go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> like in all honesty, uh, Dr. C was the one who got me hooked on your podcast, so hope to hear him from him soon uh, but you if you want to find me you can follow me at prof.suds on tiktok um if you go onto my twitter it's the same it should be prof suds as well uh, my instagram's ad suds and uh i i plan to start a youtube channel where i mostly just talk about media literacy stuff or you can enroll my class if for some reason you are capable of doing that very cool. All right. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need higher learning around here. No. Uh, all right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us uh, in this Iron Man match. Of, it's been uh, my pleasure. Uh, I'm glad it's been someone's because yeah. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I ate so much right before this podcast, too. Uh, <laughs> and for a geek history of time. I am damned Damien Harmony. And I am Ed Blaylock. And until next time, remember, you don't throw rocks at a man who's holding a machine gun. <laughs>